Katie from Yeah No Yeah. But you already knew that because you're about to listen to our show. But I wanted to pop in here to invite you to a super secret slumber party hosted on Patreon. For just $4 a month, you can get access to a bonus episode, Molly's notes, and other fun things. I don't actually know if we're offering anything else. I just wanted to say that. Bye. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't. I've never. I. You. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That really kind of grosses me out. That was so organic. Thank you. Hi, I'm Katie, and I don't want to be a mom. I want to be a dad. Hi, I'm Molly, and I always mean to put on deodorant, and that should count for something. <laughs> Mine are always uh, themed, if no one can tell. <laughs> um, yeah, I just go with however the spirit moves me. I love yours. I think that's, um, yeah, I'm glad that you do a themed one. We're talking about motherhood in this episode. Uh, a topic which is uh, something that neither Katie or I have any experience with. No. We've had some experience with the other things, with the yeah. other topics we've covered in this series. We've dated. We've been born. We've had our gender revealed. We've, um, what else have we talked about? Now we're both fiancés. Wedding, yeah. <laughs> when we recorded wedding. our wedding episode, only one of us was engaged, but it was a, uh, it was a fateful Wait, hold on. I can't hear you. Say that again. Oh, can you? Oh, yeah. Okay. You just need to speak from your diaphragm. <sighs> it cut. It cut out at the before that the end of that beautiful high note. Wow. Maybe it's my mic. Yeah, I think your mic just is opinionated. Yeah, I can't take it. Um. So okay. So I want to get it off my chest. This is my first, I feel like you and I both have some things that we're really, we, we both want to be moms. Yes. We'll lead with that. We yeah. both want to be moms. We're both in our early thirties. We're both staring down the barrel of the gun that is, uh, uh, uh bearing children. Yeah. So, ugh, God, even just saying that, just, ugh. even though like I really want kids and I'm not actually that scared of pregnancy or childbirth, um, just, uh, until actually, until I researched for this episode. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, what would you say just off the top of your head? What are your main worries around having kids? Okay. My main worries around being a biological mother would be yeah. body stuff, like the physical being of being pregnant, like the body change the baby inside, gaining a ton of weight, um, maybe not being able to shed that weight. And then in general, being afraid, one, I'll have a psychopath kid that I have to make a ton of apologies for and help him out a lot. Or two, you know, that I inevitably, uh, you know, I maim my child's mind because that just seems to be what mothers do. Yeah, I think that you just have to accept that you're going to do a little maiming. Your only job is to try to not maim, but also know that maiming is inevitable. I hope to do more good than harm. And I think already you're doing great. (laughs) Just the fact Um, that I think that says a lot. 
Yeah, I read, I remember reading, I don't remember where, but I remember reading there's a statistic that uh, parents who read parenting books are more likely to have happy, well-adjusted children. Mm. And it's like, it's not because of the parenting book, it's because they're the type of people who read parenting books who are yes. like concerned. So just being worried, I feel like is most of it. That's so interesting because those are two things I have given almost no thought to. (laughs) What are you worried about? So my concerns are uh, I'm 32. And if you read the medical literature, there's a lot of stuff about how 35 is when fertility and just uh, having a more high risk pregnancy, that uh, all starts to really uh, happen. Um, Not to say, and that is, if you look at the statistics, um, first-time mothers being between 35, 39, rates of that have skyrocketed in the past uh, decade, even. And especially in the 21st century, obviously, people are having kids later and later, and it's totally possible, and as long as you're healthy, blah, blah, blah. I have no reason to think that I would have fertility issues, but that is what sends a jolt of, oh, God, I'm too old. Yeah, just the fear that I should have done this 10 years ago is what worries me the most. Yeah. Um, the body stuff, like, I love YouTube for this reason. Like, I, there's, we're going to talk about mom influencers, and there's a lot of stuff about what moms do around having kids online that is simply awful. But I feel like what gets lost in that conversation is there's so much that's so helpful. Like there's so, like I've been following some YouTubers who are first time moms who just show you like what their stomach looks like and uh, that uh, hairy line that grows up the middle. Of oh the yeah. Um, the what is it called? It's uh, I just think of I call it a happy trail. I was gonna say a happy trail. There's a real name for it. Yeah. Um, and then people who are like really fit moms who are like so in shape after they've had a bunch of kids. And they're like, here's how I did it. Of course. And like, I didn't know this before I started following them, but like your abdominal muscles separate during childbirth Mm -hmm. and you have to work to knit them back together. (laughs) So stuff like that. And now that I've been reading about home births and free births, which we're also going to get into. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all grotesque. Where you read about the battleground that is your perineum. And that's what really is just like. As you're saying, if I can feel my perineum. Yeah, I've been clenching my perineum for about 48 hours. I'm clenching. I decided to get a lot of this off um, my chest. And then uh, something that I'm um, really interested in talking to you about is all the controversies around different parenting techniques. Yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about the hilariously awful history recent history of like ideas that have shaped parenting um and then just see where you land on Mm. controversial parenting tactics beautiful uh so yeah so um the so with the uh as soon as i turned 30 i feel like um ads uh know that i have this uh um anxiety around my age because as soon as I turned 30 tinder I was on tinder at the time and it's the that app started inundating me with ads about places I could go to freeze my egg I remember when that happened (laughs) 
Did it happen to you too, or was it just me? It didn't happen to me, but I will say part of why I think the age thing never, ever occurs to me is because I'm also very happy to adopt. Like right. if I don't get to give a body birth, I'd actually probably be fucking relieved. Right. Um, I'm actually, the more I've thought about it, the more, uh, so I want to talk about Mika Stoffer and her oh, yeah. adoption tragedy and reading about that really made me think that I don't want to adopt. Totally. So, fair. There's that. Look, we're already just very different moms. Look, um, that's us. I'm going to adopt your kid. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Molly Jr. I won't, <laughs> I won't let her take you. Um, I, uh, I also read that this is, this is adding to my stress around this, that there is a term in the medical community for a first time mother who's 35 or older. And that term is elderly prima gravita. Beautiful. Elderly. Yeah. My doctor once told me if I want kids at 35 or older, it's considered a geriatric pregnancy. Right. That's the other one, geriatric. Yeah. So, of course, like I said, it varies from person to person. It, there's a lot of health factors that have to do with uh, how late you can safely have kids. And it's all very individualized. Uh, but, um, yeah, the risks of just general complications. You're just more likely to have a high-risk pregnancy after 35 Although that is changing and we are becoming more healthy as a species. Yeah. I, most of my friends who are pregnant or have been recently are 35 plus. See, that, that really helps me out. Just knowing so whenever you know. I hear someone is pregnant, I immediately try to find out how old they are. Oh yeah. No, I, being my friend might be good luck to being 35 plus and pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember, okay. So you remember when we started this podcast adventure, mm. I was dating someone else. Yeah, I do. And when I had first brought up the idea, just the, the notion of having kids with him, his first concern was, <laughs> would I be, before anything, before like religion or names mm -hmm. or school styles, um, the first thing he wanted to know was, would I be willing to have a C-section? Because he had heard that vaginal births result in uh, the loosening of the vaginal muscle. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of hype around C-sections and how they're better and easier. They're really, having read about them, they're not. They're, they seem uh, to me just as grotesque. <laughs> they're, they're, you're more likely to have an infection and to have problems with bleeding too much, obviously, because it's surgery. Like, it's like, yeah, it's deep in there, babe. Say what you will about vaginal birth. Like, it is supposed to happen. Yeah, say what you will. And also, let it get loose. And also, like, imagine, <laughs> I just was like... No, that is... I don't know if I knew that. And that To him, I remember... So I'm sure I didn't want to talk about it, but... No, you probably didn't. <laughs> to him, I remember saying, like, Imagine an 80-year-old woman who's alone on her deathbed saying, like, ugh, thank God my pussy is as tight as it could ever be. <laughs> like, is that what he thinks yeah, people yeah. want out of life? Tight little pussies. Well, well, some people, that's their main goal. I can't speak for everyone and for no. all I know. 
Um, but yeah, Kegling. I've also read like a lot of, I don't think that there is, I don't think that there's enough, frankly, research on vaginal tightness post-childhood. Yeah. But from what I understand, it's like very, again, person to person. Right. I don't think there is a big study on that. But I've heard people say like uh, personal testimonials that they kegled away and they, they're well, yeah. Don't the say. vagina is like an elastic muscle, no? It's like, I can't imagine. Like, also, like, tightness is baloney made up by men, I think. It's like, be also loose. Like, who cares? Loose in the wind. I say, let it flap. Loosey goosey. Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like the idea, obviously, of just flapping in the wind like so much laundry hanging on a line but at the same time it's not gonna stop me like I don't know age death comes for us all is what I have to say yes about you that. say that nearly every episode <laughs> it's my motto <laughs> um yeah there's been a lot of there's growing controversy home birth as you may have heard is mm. a growing trend oh um, there's a lot of criticisms around hospital births. Um, I, don't, I don't have a great source for this, but I've heard it said that hospitals encourage you to give birth on your back because that's supposedly, uh, because basically it's easier for doctors to, yeah, get, to get in there, administer the drugs that they need to administer if you're on your back, but it may actually be more comfortable if you were to squat or mm -hmm. give birth on all fours. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of in the crunchy granola natural birth community, which I think, and I'm not making fun of them. I think maybe they have a good, no, they have their finger on the pulse. Yeah. So what's your impression of the home birth world? I, my grandmother had all home births. Nance, huh? she talks about them and anytime you want to hear about it, my aunt had only home births. My mom, one of us, was home birthed. Which um, Megan, middle one. So I was around for that. So I have a lot to say about home births and that they're great if you have a healthy pregnancy. It seemed right. painful. There's, I'm sure, a ton of screaming. My grandma actually would talk about her birthing chair, which was a chair with a hole in the bottom. So she could <laughs> use it to like push. <laughs> And also, you, she's like, let gravity do its thing. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. That's great that and she that had really a chair. makes a ton of sense. I've heard of, like, squatting as being optimal, mm -hmm. but a chair just seems like... So chill. You're just taking, actually, I'm going to take it a step further. Have a lazy boy that when you pull the lever, yep. um, the forceps come up and <laughs> get it done. Yank you out. Um, so yeah, so with ho so a lot of the the problem that a lot of women say that they have also with hospital births is uh, again this is like personal stories. I don't know how widely uh, how widespread this is, but I've heard women say like they felt like they were uh, that the idea of a C-section was foisted on them. Yeah, and uh, they. I've heard other women say that they were given drugs to induce labor that they didn't want for whatever reason. A lot of people sure. just don't want drugs, heavy duty drugs, for reasons that they uh, often. I've, it seems like people just put it out there, like I just don't want drugs. 
and they don't yeah. necessarily go into why, but you know. They all know. probably watched the Ricky Lake documentary about her birth. Go on. <laughs> so Ricky Lake, you know, the actress. Um, I don't, I've heard the name. I know that she had a talk show. She had a talk show and she was in the original Hairspray. Okay, now I know. Yeah. Like short, heavy set gal. She was John Travolta before John Travolta was her. She was the daughter. She was John Travolta's daughter. Yeah, Divine was John Travolta. And <laughs> sorry to school you. Um, <laughs> I love Hairspray. Uh, so she did a documentary about how, I don't remember what child, but maybe, I guess maybe her first. She was given an epidural. She you know, couldn't feel anything. She couldn't feel the push. And then she had a lot of postpartum depression that she, and I guess maybe some sort of holistic doctor um, attributed to her not having felt the proper pushing. Okay. And then you follow her on her home birth journey um, where it, you know, you see her go in a tub and push it out and seems to feel not so distant from her child. Okay, I'm glad you know about that because I had been wondering, like, where does this come from? This idea yeah. that, like, you're more connected to your baby if you aren't on drugs when it's born. And I don't think there's, I will, I think we'll both agree with this uh, preface. We don't know shit about anything and whatever women want to do is fine by us. So I don't know if they're, like, I don't know if anyone can tell us because I know plenty of women who have also had epidurals who totally love their babies and feel totally cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know a study shows that women who have had epidurals fucking hate their babies? <laughs> and they're not so totally cool. <laughs> that's like a reductress article <laughs> wait oh yeah yeah it's a good one um so okay so my under so home birth um i read a new york times article about it that was pretty interesting um it said that 37 percent of first time mothers and nine percent of second round mothers <laughs> end up i like how they call it a round like, yeah. another round. round two <laughs> um uh second round mothers end up going to the hospital because they're not progressing so um, even if you're low risk, there's a good chance if you've never done this before and you try to do it at home. It may not happen for you. Yeah. Um, so the 20, uh, 2015 study from the New England Journal of Medicine found that the rate for neonatal death and seizure is twice as high for home births, but that's still only a teeny tiny percentage. They said a 2.4 births per 1,000, um, which is a very small number. But it's still, when you hear that and you're thinking about your own infant, I'm sure you just hear like, well, it's more likely that they'll die in a home birth right. situation. And you think, yikes. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, I mean, we certainly don't know. Because I do, I do follow like one sort of uh, home birth, like birthing center, or like at least it's a bunch of doulas like on Instagram. And it just seems like it does seem so great and so safe. So I'm always curious when I hear like right. that it's more likely. I don't, I mean, what do I know about it? Well, okay. So midwives and doulas, you could encounter. So midwives, it's like they're all kinds of different levels of midwives. Yeah. Doulas, I believe are not, don't have, um, I could be wrong, but they don't have the same medical certification that midwives do. And midwives can be, you know, very highly trained professionals. And there are different levels of midwives that you can look into. And some of them, uh, yeah, they're in birthing centers. So it's mm -hmm. not really a home birth, but it's still like not a hospital. 
you could still something in between maybe there's a birthing tub that's big in home births is getting into a tub it's supposed to be more comfortable and reduce the likelihood of perineum tearing that's scary also doesn't it sound nice to sit in like a warm tub of water and do your thing I'm I'm sure that the amniotic sac that they come out in preserves them, but I still want someone to walk me through those uh, few moments when your baby's head is underwater and they're not yet totally out. Where is the oxygen coming from? Are I think we it's in it so fast that like it doesn't matter? Okay, it's okay. like from what I've seen, those babies shoot right out like little. Uh, oiled up watermelons in a pool <laughs> okay see now i'm swinging back toward i definitely <laughs> want to give birth in a pool you said watermelon um but yeah so but another point that's uh i think important is that insurance companies will not cover home births because according to insurance those aren't medically appropriate um, what do you know? The man doesn't want us to, you know, do what we want. What in a kiddie pool? Um, but so if you uh, pay a midwife, a home birth could cost between a thousand to five thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, and that, but that it that includes some of the supplies you need, and some of those supplies, Katie, include condoms that you fill with ice that you use uh, on your uh, vagina perineum area because it's so, so raw. Um, Again, nothing scares me except the perineum stuff. Well, you don't want to tear from tail to tail. No, no, but it's so common. I'm um, seriously clenching. I know, so but okay, so here's the thing that we need to distinguish. Okay. Do you know the difference between a home birth and mama a free birth no i don't want do i want to know no but i'm gonna tell you yeah. anyway because i read about it and i saw pictures and now you need to know about it so Wait, our friends also add really quickly about how, like the pricing so like even if it's five grand i a friend of mine that had a baby they put on her hospital bill skin to skin contact they oh yeah i yeah. Okay. I've heard about that. A quick side note. Like at least, you know what you're getting with the doula. It's 5,000 bucks, but they're all, everyone's going to rub your belly and sing around you and put your boobs on whatever. And in the hospital, you're going to get charged money to touch your child. Yeah. And it sings like that where again, the pendulum is swinging back towards, fuck you. I'll do, I don't need, I don't need whatever these beeping machines are. I don't know what they do. I'm very primal. <laughs> okay, now tell me about the uh, okay. this free birth. So free birth. So our friend Annie turned us on. You'll all remember her from the dating episode. She turned me on to. She's turned me on to all my favorite Instagram weirdos. Oh yeah. Um, and she sent me this one who's like a young living essential oil multi-level marketing mom influencer. Mm -hmm. Like, look at me, look at my perfect life, buy my oils. I'm insane. Uh, I'm from Australia. I relocated to Texas. Look at my three perfect children who I don't allow to eat candy. God, I'm a good mom. Watch me dance. <laughs> All of these free birth people are so into filming themselves dancing. Oh, I know. And having watched them pull fetuses out of their vaginas that are covered in poop and blood, um, 
the dancing bothered me more. <laughs> just like, like, okay, I'm going to do it for Katie and she's going to okay. describe to our listeners the type of dancing I'm doing. Okay. Okay. She's okay. So it's like a slow body roll, touching of oneself, hands above head. Now going down her body, very snake like. But imagine yeah. I'm covered in infants. No. <laughs> oh, almost knocked over my desk. Um, but yeah, they're just constantly gyrating and um, constantly gyrating. I'll leave <laughs> That's it. That's all that. you need to say. So okay, so she, this insane woman, uh, turned uh, re reblog, uh, like something my mom would say. She posted an Instagram <laughs> story from yeah, another also turn into our mothers <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean hey i'm drinking wine happened. and you're saying reblog <laughs> she reposted an instagram story from someone she admired who's also in the free birth community um who's called bauhaus wife who's big in this world okay the free birther and a light worker what's a light worker well it's not really anything, but if you ask these people what it is, it's like someone who, I can't even explain it. Yeah. You can kind of get it from the name. Um, but yeah, free birthers are like, no help. You can't have a midwife. You can't have a doula. It's just oh, no. you and a tub and I don't know, some candles and shit. <laughs> Um, and they go on and on about, they're really into, there's a huge overlap with them. They're all conspiracy theorists. Oh, they I'm all sure. put the, like, Pizzagate, QAnon. We've, that just keeps coming up <laughs> with everything it's that really we're haunting about. our show. We cannot get away from QAnon. Yeah. This is your first time hearing it. Basically, it was a, a, Q was an anonymous poster to a 4chan website who claimed to be a high-up government official who uh, had all the dirt on um, uh, 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 all these government officials who were sex traffickers involved in sex trafficking. And so she posts these things about free birthing along with like QAnon, uh, conspiracy theorists, um, save the ch hashtag save the children, hashtag Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, they say, is a pedophile. He's one of the- Oh my God. He might be the least pedophilic person I've ever seen. I haven't looked into it enough to know why it is that they've honed in on him. Oh, and also important to this, Donald Trump is working from the inside to stop it. That's oh, yeah. If he's the non-pedophile, then I really trust these guys. Right. Um, yeah. Why it is? Anyway, so they're the same people, the free birthers, the QAnon people, the people who say that COVID isn't real and that it's just a cold and that you don't really need a mask and you just need lemon water. It's so all the same weird people. how like the alt-right can really overlap with some granola behavior. This is where they truly this intersect. The far granola with the far right free birthing, <laughs> giving birth in a tub. Oh, uh, I have read some really... Uh, some descriptions of free birthing where people are like, this is so empowering, but having read it, I can say confidently, it's not something I would consider for a second. Yeah. I read a first person account in, uh, from NBC where a woman talks about her free birth experience where her baby died because yeah. she was someone who was uh, way past her due date. And she probably, it's impossible to know why for sure things went so terribly wrong. 
but now she's left wondering, oh, that maybe I should have had drugs that would have induced labor and blah, blah, blah. And um, the only authority that you can turn to with free birthing is just these forums that cost money to join. I tried to, I looked into joining a free birth um, forum. It cost $108. So I declined. Yeah. That's um, a but they're out there, these people who are like, we know the truth. Do your own research. No. And then no. these do your own research people are like, look into it. And I'm like, where? This where? room that I have to pay $100 <laughs> to join so I can hear people like you. Yeah, who just curate. Yeah, curated research to push their agenda. Yeah. So Rolling Stone has a really good article about the QAnon flavored conspiracies that have infiltrated the free birth movement. So um, bizarre. It's not a rabbit hole I recommend at all. No, it's like, there's no upside. It's all just like, wow, these people are, and they're, I'm, of course they're anti-vaxxers. Of course. I'm really down with home births. I actually find them yeah. very interesting. And I do that. My pendulum also swings very much to home births. But mm-hmm. having said that, you could not pay me to do a free birth. No, yeah, I want someone who's done it before. I want, yeah, I want like an old my grandmother basically, who I want to be there with me, <laughs> like or some old a doula yeah. or a midwife or God bless me a doctor. I'd like somebody <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh no, yeah, it's only crazy. The, the people who are allowed around them are their other children. Gross. Which these are also people who like probably do stuff around their kids that I find highly inappropriate such as I think so I I don't know if this is like a free birth or person but there is this level of really crunchy granola that by the way people might throw eggs on my face for saying this I'm okay with that (laughs) Uh, like all sleeping together naked in a family bed I'm not saying it's perverse it's just something I find maybe your kids might not want to do that and you're kind of making them Right. So that is, uh, we're going to talk about attachment parenting also, which is that style of parenting that I agree with you. It's like, I'm not accusing anyone who does that of being perverted, but at the same time, it just strikes me as being a violation of boundaries. I'll say that. Yeah. I think those kids have a hard time then knowing who's allowed to be around them when they're vulnerable like that. I just don't understand when do you have sex? Oh God. I mean, I feel as though they don't or they do. I have followed a very hippy dippy van life free birth couple, or actually I don't know if they're free birth, but they are van life. They live in a van and they're very into co-sleeping, which I mean, in a van, what else are you going to do? And then they've been asked in all these Q and A's that they do. Hey, what, how does that happen? And they're like, well, that's not something we really share because that's intimate. And it's like, but that's what I need to know. Also, like how you raise your family and rear your kids is intimate, but you're willing to share that because probably the answer for the other thing is unsavory. I mean, sorry, we can only more opinions about rare, like raising kids than I thought. That's the thing. It's like it's so easy. And of course, like we're not parents. We don't know shit. Maybe we'll change our minds immediately um the second we sit on that birthing chair maybe our minds will change completely oh yeah 
obviously I'm open to that, except co-sleeping. Well, um, yeah. I like, so, my, I don't even want to sleep with my lover. <laughs> I'm like, get out. Um, yeah. I mean, I sleep with one person in a queen size bed and it gets crowded. Sure does. In a way that I like, but yeah. you know. I don't. Um, so New York Post, and again, it's the New York Post. For those of you who don't know, it's kind of a salacious, not quite tabloid, but tabloid flavored yeah. newspaper uh, in the New York metropolitan area. And they had a very funny article about, um, about the history of child rearing. Mm. Um, in the article, uh, they talk about the care and feeding of children by Emmett Holt, which came out in 1894 and was hugely influential. And I've been reading about this book because it's very interesting. The ideas that it put out and how many of them like hung on for so long. Um, in it, they talk about how infants should be kissed, if at all, upon the cheek or forehead. But the less even of this, the better, Emmett Holt wrote. And he added, babies under six months old should never be played with. <gasps> Can you imagine? At all? No, I remember, so in this article, the author talks about how it used to be that uh, you just didn't talk to kids. I remember the phrase, you would talk to a baby as soon as you would talk to a moccasin. Oh my God. Because they can't talk, they don't get shit to say. But I, don't they need to hear you? So now the idea, the idea that's put out there by research is mm -hmm. that children learn language by hearing it and yeah. the more you talk to them the easier they'll pick it up See, makes sense to me makes sense to me but there was all this stuff about the ancient greek physicians who were like rub salt on your baby to make their skin tougher <laughs> it reminded me of our goop episode when we went oh, to Gwyneth paltrow's beauty routine which is mostly salt so for an adult i say sure rub it on but for don't rub a baby with anything. <laughs> but he, you know, you have to sort, there was also a lot of stuff in ancient times about like, how do you sort the good babies from the weaklings? Sure. Be a drain on your farm. Look, I get it now. Right. In these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. um, so, okay. So this uh, Emmett Holt guy was the first one who was like, if you hear, or, I don't know if he was the first, but he was, he, Put it out there that when you hear a baby crying at night, what do you do? Leave it. Yeah. Just let it figure it out. People um, don't so much like that anymore. <laughs> and his idea was very strict. Like you can't, if you go and comfort your child, mm -hmm. they'll be soft losers. Um, you're ruining their life, basically. Yeah. Attempt to see what they're crying about. So then this was softened in uh, 1985 with Richard Ferber's Solve Your Child's Sleep Problem, where he, uh, he proposed something similar, but not quite as harsh, where he was like, go in, check on your baby, maybe rub their back, but don't pick them up. Okay. Because they need to, again, they need to figure it out. Right. How to self-soothe and put themselves back to sleep. And that kind of makes sense, but now people conflate the two and they're not really the same. Richard Ferber didn't really say, cry it out. Who, like, right. Him. He said maybe just don't carry them every time. Right. Don't totally jostle them around and maybe wake them up. 
I read something the other day. I forget. I'll send the link, but it was like, there's a study that obviously babies cry to see if you'll go to them. And when you do the sort of ignoring method, they eventually do stop crying. Maybe on, let's say night one and two, they cry. Mom is stressed. There's a lot of like cortisol built up. And then on night three, the baby doesn't cry because it knows it won't get the mom. But apparently the stress level and the cortisol level is just as high for the baby as night one and two. It's just now not making noise, which made me cry reading that. Yeah. Just like being quiet and sad. Oh my God. I want to actually die right now. But so that's like also to be considered in this. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a question of, I guess back in the day, it sort of made sense that we wanted like really tough babies, but now we have room for pushovers. I want the softies, I think. Yeah, we want, I mean, yeah, maybe we want a softie. Mm -hmm. Um, So the other thing that has, so sleep training, hugely controversial, parents today have a lot to say about it, and a lot of fights will break out in parenting corners about how to teach your kid to sleep. Um, Breastfeeding is another area where it is just so fraught, so, so terribly fraught. I find that so annoying. I know. It's just like, who? Just like, like the baby's getting fed is kind of all I fucking care about. Does it have chubby little knees? Okay, oh. then it's probably doing okay. Fine by me. So, ooh, that is how almost no one feels. I know, which is so disappointing. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think maybe we're growing out of that. But okay, so this I didn't know. Up until ancient times, until uh like the 17th or 17th 18th century it was very common for women of means if you're the aristocracy or just kind of more well to do if you had a baby you would have a wet nurse yeah to breastfeed it for you yeah so someone who was lactating because they had a kid of their own that they mm-hmm. maybe lost um or maybe they just had a bunch of kids and just never stopped lactating you would just it was a you know, a decent position back then for a woman to have to be a wet nurse. There's a video of Selma Hayek, the actress, the famed actress. Um, She was visiting, I don't know what country, I'm not going to pretend to know. Uh, And she, the woman had had a baby and wasn't producing milk. And Selma took that baby to her breast. Selma. So she was obviously lactating. She said, bring that thing over here. Oh. Isn't that very sweet? It's fun for the baby because he. Like, I mean, the baby's like I sucked on Salma's breath. I mean, amazing. Who could complain? So someone, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um. So someone's like, you don't know what Salma Hayek's been eating. Mm-hmm. Could be poison. Um. Yeah. So, but then, uh, in the 17th century, uh, Jacques Guillemot, a French, whatever back then's version of an OBGYN was. Okay. Uh, started to promote breastfeeding and said that uh, that it would promote affection or closeness between mom and baby to breastfeed. But then he also added that the wet nurse, that if you do have to have a wet nurse, fine, but she should not have auburn hair because redheads were known to have a hot tep- temperament that was harmful <laughs> to their breast milk. So these he are just little notes, little notes to take as you listen. And if you're, if you have red hair and you have a baby, I don't know. Good what then? Luck. You, then you have to get a wet nurse. Yeah, you have to. A brunette or a blonde. 
Um, uh, so uh, it remained, but having a wet nurse, despite Guillemot's ideas, which did kind of catch on, it remained popular to um, have wet nurses to the point that women were getting rid, having babies, and then this article just said getting rid of them so that they could be wet nurses. Oh, no. So then there was a law in France uh, that said um, you have to nurse your baby until it's nine months old before you can become a wet nurse. And I guess you would have to show proof, like, here's my baby, it's here's nine months old. I didn't baby. throw it to the wolves. Wow. So have this job. Can't you produce milk for, like, as long as someone's sucking, basically? So I mean, it may be a perfect scenario. The same dancing mom who uh, I mentioned earlier, um, she's uh, Rebecca Kinderman, if anyone's interested. Uh, if anyone wants to give her a follow. Um, I don't. shouldn't encourage her. But um, <laughs> she, uh, she's breastfeeding her son, who's I think almost two. And mm-hmm. um, people keep asking her, like, oh, how long do you plan on breastfeeding your son? And the answer, the sassy reply that she loves to give is, the last time I breastfeed him will be the night before his wedding. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm going to go on record to say I don't like that. He's her only son, and he's her youngest, and those dynamics are uh, in full force. They're there for all of Instagram to uh, I am going to have to look her up after this, but I will not follow her. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's good. But, um, I'm an addict to yeah, you anti-vaxxer love weirdos. Stuff. I have to keep an eye on where the anti-vaxxers are. Someone's gotta. Someone's gotta. Better Come you than to me. Better you than no. me. Um, so then finally, uh, we were finally like, you know what? Breastfeeding's okay. And then in comes formula. Mm. Uh, formula had came into vogue in the late 1960s and then by the 1970s most babies were fed yeah uh formula um swindle did a great podcast about the evils of nestle and their baby formula and how aggressively they marketed it in third world countries oh god to yeah the horrible detriment of women and children in developing countries um, basically well, like bad. made them dependent on infant formula and then made it too expensive and that's disgusting it was it's horrible but um but very interesting like so many evil things are so but then finally in the 1970s and through the 1990s then there was a pushback another swing of the pendulum from the medical community that said actually breast milk is great <laughs> like breast like, milk is do it if you can Breast milk has a lot of benefits and from a medical perspective is preferable with a huge asterisk around that saying, if you have any problems breastfeeding or can't do it because of your schedule or because of just how your kid is, then of course, infant formula is a-okay and no one should say anything. I've seen so many women say that they've been feeding their baby formula only to have a stranger pipe in to say breast is best yeah great and it's like if you were breastfed and you feel you can make comments like that you are an example of how you can still turn out to be an idiot (laughs) i know the cutest baby i know right now is a formula fed 
little month. I mean, I've never seen a baby so cute in my life. So I'm just saying it works either fucking way. I've seen vegan babies who are quite plump and adorable. No one, there's no recipe for being cute. No, that we know. As far as I'm aware. Um, So moving on from breastfeeding, going back to attachment parenting. Mm. So this is a thing that I think is coming into vogue now. It seems to be not exclusive to the anti-vax community, but there's a lot of overlap there. Um, so they say breastfeed as long as possible. Breastfeed whenever your kid demands. Like whenever they reach for you or seem yeah. to want you in any way, boob out. Aggressive yeah. breastfeeding. Gorilla <laughs> breastfeeding. <laughs> Unstoppable breastfeeding. How would you ever put your boobs away? I feel like kids must want. You, you do not. Right? They're just out and flapping. Um, you also, in attachment parenting, you co-sleep with your kids, um, which we already kind of talked about. Uh, and then you hold them. It's really, the attachment part is very real. You hold your Who's kids. Who's becoming whenever- attached to who? What's the point? <laughs> I'm confused. Is it for the parent to feel like the almighty caregiver or like to give this kid no room to like adjust? Okay, you all, we all have to remember I was raised by whatever the opposite of an attachment parent is. Right. But I'm just saying, I don't know who that's benefiting. Sorry to say. Yeah. So there's a lot of debate around the, and then when you can't hold your baby, baby, you put them in one of those slings where it's still kind of attached to well, you. Well, that's nice. Where, yeah, I mean, it just seems like, yeah, it's like, is this baby a person or is it a, like, babies to me are small people, so they should still be allowed to, it just seems like with attachment parenting, first impression criticism, it seems like, yeah, you're fostering a really strong connection between between you and your kid, but isn't the point of parenting to make them fly free? That's what I think, yes. Um, Again, also- a non-mother. Next time you see me, if I ever have a kid, I could be, they're both attached to one on right. each kit and I don't let them go. So who knows? This is from right. a non-mother. Right. Um, yeah, maybe you'd rather sleep in the bed with your kids and just never have sex again. I'm sure some people have that experience. It sounds inaccurate, but you never know. You never know. Um, so uh, Maim Bialik, who played Blossom. I know who she is. She played Bo- Blossom in what is the name of that show? Some according hit show from way Blossom. back when. Is the show called Blossom? It's like Life According to Blossom or something like that. Or maybe it's just called Blossom. She's also in the Big Bang Theory. My grandmother's favorite television show. <laughs> Everybody's grandmother's favorite. Yeah, television. it has to be. So she is uh, noteworthy because uh, in between those two acting gigs, which were pretty far apart, she went, she went and got herself a neuroscience degree. Amazing. Yeah. So she's a pretty interesting person, and she has uh, promoted the neurological benefits of attachment parenting, which admittedly I did not look enough into, so maybe there's just a whole, whole flavor of this that I'm missing out on. I'm sure there are benefits. She came under, so she got a lot of, obviously, anyone who puts their parenting methods out in the world it's going to get a lot of shit. Yeah. And her shit came when she and her husband got divorced. 
and everyone was like, well, no fucking wonder you have your children attached to you at all times. Where does that leave room for someone else for, uh, you know, any other kind of relationship? Unless her goal was, and this is true for some women, she just wants to be a mom and not a wife, which sounds fine. Who knows? But Who knows? She, she was like, hey, that's attachment parenting had nothing to do with our divorce. I believe that too. I believe oh, she's the neuroscientist, not us. She's the neuroscientist, not us. Uh, so uh, also another thing that these people are all into I'm is scared. elimination communication. Elimination communication. So you have oh, babies. Um, they're wearing diapers. Okay. They're using their diapers. They're pooping. They're peeing. They're getting diapers messy. Do they have to be? Uh, some argue that um, babies can, once they're, I don't know what the age is, but at some point they indicate to you that they have to go. And then you hold uh, a container under their genitals and butt. <laughs> and they, no. they, and you squeeze them like toothpaste tubes. <laughs> and, then, and then you just, and then you don't have to deal with a diaper. I you just have to deal with a poop bowl. A bowl which is so much easier. I remember watching in theaters the movie. I think it's just called Babies, and it's like that doc, like Disney documentary that follows these four fucking cute. Ass I babies. loved that movie. Oh, it was so good. And what really sits with me, and because I respected it so, and I was like, this makes sense. I don't remember which baby it was, but in the baby was like non-clothed and it was on the mother's lap and it felt very natural and communal and the baby pooped and she literally wiped it off her lap and they just kept hanging out. That was the Kenyan mom. The Kenyan mom. That, I was like, yeah, this vibe, like what isn't a baby's poop but milk, right? It's like right. there's nothing gross. Right. And just, it's not like we eat animals and stuff that maybe it makes for grosser poop. And it just seemed like, yeah, I like the idea of a naked baby hanging out with you and let it go when it needs to go. You don't have to put a bowl under it. Okay. I disagree. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I'm not saying I want my child to poop on me, but if it happens, I'm going to say that's okay with me. <laughs> I'm going to tell your kid, your mom told me she wants you to poop on her. She's begging for it. Between you and me. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, as we discussed, your mom was more of the opposite of attachment mm -hmm. parenting. I would describe her style as more of a free range approach. Free range kids by Lenore Skenazi in mm -hmm. 2010 was a book that came out and then became, according to the free range kids website, a national movement sparked by the incredible response to the book. Um, and the fact that the author let her nine-year-old ride the subway alone in New York City. Um, so the idea behind free-range kids is that we've gotten too helicoptery and we don't let kids do anything on their own and how will they develop and figure things out. It's the hard, hard opposite of right. attachment parenting. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think my mom, like my childhood you know, veered on a little bit more neglect than just free range. I don't think my mom read it in a book. No, I think she didn't. This book like, came out in 2010. Yeah, so no. Your mom. 
She was a pioneer of her time. I remember like that, I, that part of like being a kid, I don't remember all that much, but obviously I had, I did not have any helicoptering, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say that Nick and Nancy, who did properly raise me into a, a, the fine adult you see before you, my grandparents, what my grandma would do that I thought was like a nice balance between some sort of attachment and also free range was she always let us make like me, especially make my own little kid decisions. Like if I wanted to pour a bucket of water on the floor, like nothing bothered her. And she was like always right there to be like, next time we'll do this. Or next time we'll try that. Like, so it was such a gentle, like background support. I think background supportive is the type of parenting I will be. Yeah. And that I strive to be. I don't know what it's called. Maybe I'll write a book. Yeah. No, I can't wait. Background support. Background parenting. <laughs> background parenting. Like she was, it's like. Like background knew. music. <laughs> it's like you knew she was there. You could look and there's Nancy. But I, it's like she also was like, give it a try. Don't put your hand on the yeah. stove. <laughs> right. And I think that that sounds great. But what we're referring to with the free range in Katie's childhood, uh, do you want to talk about walking to school on your own? I would always walk to school. I took the subway when I was a kid by myself at like How old? five, six. You would take the subway at five and six? Yeah, five sounds young. I'm going to say, what are you in like first or second grade? Like seven or six eight? Or seven. Yeah. So that sounds about right. And the that subway? Subway. But you'd also, I Not, mean, you'd also find other kids. Like you would, that's kind of school time. So it wasn't. But yeah, right. no, I mean, very, I mean, free range to the max. So even, the in art- Oregon, even in the suburbs, like when I, when we lived in, Liv- in Livingston and I was maybe only a bit older than that, like ride my bike anywhere I wanted, any time of day, any time of night as a very young kid, just like zooming around doing whatever. I don't like that one bit. <laughs> No, it was not. I don't think it was so safe. Yeah, our parents were the hard opposite in this yeah. way. My I dad agree. was very hovering and like wouldn't let me. I was never out of anyone's sight. And on all fairness, Ben, look at us. But neither of us was were murdered. And I think that Ooh, that is know. a persuasive argument for the middle way. I think the the background parent. The like background parent. We're writing a book. We're writing a book. We're writing a book before we have kids. That's key. It's called back support. (laughs) (laughs) It's called being Uh, a bra. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So I want us to talk um, about Mika Stoffer, but I feel like we've had kind of a, an episode already. Um, Maybe we should do that as a Patreon I think that should be a Patreon episode. So if you aren't already one and you feel tantalized to join, use this as a cliffhanger that you can join Patreon and get the- Yeah, now's a great time to join because uh, Katie and I are coming to the end of the list of episodes we thought of for season uh, five. So if you join now, you'll only be in it for a couple months and you'll get to hear our vast catalog of insane nonsense we've put out of which there's there's plenty the long furby episode haunts me the oh the long (laughs) that's like my fever dream episode (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to talk about Mika Stoffer and her ill-fated adoption and the thoughts it made me have about adoption in our Patreon episode. There's a whole, if you don't want to listen to us on Patreon, there's a whole bunch of YouTube videos. Yeah, YouTubers did a good job covering that. Yeah, dedicated to this mom who the cliff notes is she used her adopted son, some would say, some have speculated as content, and then gave him up once his disabilities, which he had sought out a disabled child, but once his disabilities got to be too much, he was rehomed. And yeah, look look for our thoughts on that it, on Patreon. It's chilling. Yeah. But to wrap up this episode, Katie, um, my wrap-up question was, how do you want to raise your kids? But I feel like I know. Back support. Background parent. Back support. Always there for them. Truly will do whatever they need me to do. But I want to give them range to feel like their own person. I want them to be able to close their door. Uh, you know, I used to have my door taken off as punishment. And I hated that. That's and it felt, weird. it's, te- no, it's very bad. So I don't ever want to do stuff like that. I want my kids to feel really safe, really calm. And they know that if they make a mistake. I'm not going to blow my, you know, top. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not going to yell every once in a while. I think yelling I is be very, uh, I want to be like fully supportive of my kids, which I think I'm a very supportive person to a fault. So my you kids are. will really reap that benefit. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just going to rub my kids with a bunch of salt. Well, I knew that already. 